Southeast Florida. This is the Backwater Hustle Fishing Podcast. Hey everybody, this is the Backwater Hustle Fishing Podcast. I am uh, your host, Captain Ty McNeely. I'm here with... Uh, I'm the other host. Another host. The hostess with the mostess. <laughs> you said hostess. I did say hostess, didn't I? Yeah, whatever, man. Well, you're I'm just identi- being in the stores and saying the hostess with the mostess. You're identifying. I guess I'm the host with the most. The host with the most. Yeah, there you go. I just figured it was that time of the month for you. It is, since I've been reading some of these... Uh, Reviews I've been getting. <laughs> yeah, some of them are pretty good. I gotta stop reading all this stuff about me. You know, we we set out and we opened up a uh, Backwater Hustlers um, Facebook group. We did. That's correct. Fired mm-hmm. up about two weeks. We've got uh, close to nine hundred uh, members of that group, which is uh, kind of impressive, I guess. Pretty crazy, actually. Until you ask for group participation. And um, people are bad about group participation, though. Yeah, you put a poll up or you ask in for fact, something. And, uh, I'm glad you brought that up, Ty. All right. You know, we were sitting here talking about how I, have, how I was having podcasters block. Podcast block. Yep. Podcast block. Well, speaking with a gentleman today, he was looking for a particular type of fishing equipment to fish out of. Okay. Well, he went on this particular... A boat? I'm not going to say. But he went on this particular site, group, and asked, what is the best fishing product to buy to fish out of? Hmm. Well, he called me today, and he thought this was funny. So I'm just going to relay the message to you. Um, He said... Of about 80 responses that he got, he could not believe that no one would come out and say brand A, B, or C. Oh, I'll tell him. And he said that, he said he could not believe how they would say, well, it's whatever your budget affords, or if you want to use this particular kind, or use this particular way, or use these particular things, uh... He said, but no one on there would nut up, you know, would sack up and go, hey, buy X brand or buy B brand or buy G brand, you know? Buy this. Yes. He said it was the craziest thing he's ever seen. Right. He yeah. said, uh, I don't how, think I'm following you. So if I, okay, I'm going to see if I can, if I'm following you. Hey, Donnie, um, I'm thirsty. And uh, I think I want a um, soda. Kind of soda should I get? Well, you know, I'm gonna tell you Pepsi. Obviously, I'm a Pepsi, Pepsi. guy. Yeah, I'm a Pepsi guy. See, that's definitive. I mean, that's Pepsi. He said, and that's the thing. He said that, that none of them would be definitive about what particular brand of this thing, this thing to buy. Right. So, and and he said, he said he thought it was. He said what it boiled down to. Yeah. That none of these people in this closed group wanted to offend someone. Wanted to offend each other. Oh, each other. In their own little group, hmm. he says. So therefore, none of them would 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 sack up and say, "Well, hey, I've got this, and this is why, gotcha. and this is what you should get." Gotcha. And he said he had eighty comments. Eighty. Can that's, you believe that? He said like eighty three when he like, when he last gave me a report, which I, I didn't call for an ask for the report. He, he just thought lot. it was funny because these particular people were uh, you know flacking us. Maybe they were busy. 
I guess maybe so. They were giving us some flack. Yeah. And um, are we going to edit this out? If you want to. I don't want to. I can edit anything you want. I haven't said anything bad, have I? Not yet. Okay, good. Um, and so he just thought it was funny. That he, so he called me today and brought it to my attention. And I appreciate him for that. Yeah. I, I don't want to say his name on here because. That's right. He may get kicked out of the group, you know. Yeah, I don't want anybody kicked out of the group. Yeah, exactly. Are they in our group too? I don't. If they're in our group, let them get kicked out now, of all the other groups. Now he's, he's in our group. I'm not sure about some of the others that are in the other group that we're not allowed to be in yeah. because of what we are. Yeah, so you can't play on my monkey bars because uh, you were over by the swing sets earlier. Is that or because you have a because you rather be on the monkey bars instead of being on the swing set, or, be, or you rather be on the swing set instead of the yeah, monkey bar? I got it. This, this podcast has gotten out of control quick. I'm feeling like I'm way back in the third or fourth <laughs> grade all of a sudden with but this. No, but my point, I guess, all this is, is about that. Um, if you come to me and said, "Hey, man, I'm looking to buy a boat," sure, absolutely. Let's talk about boats. And 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 I want to buy a boat. I'm going to give you my opinion. Um, I, you know, I've owned a couple boats in my lifetime and I can give you a squared up opinion on what I think based on fact, uh, on relevant life experience. Of course, there's always going to be the money aspect. What can you afford? Um, the guy we're talking about. I get that. When he, first of all, this guy, money's, not, money's, money's not a factor. Right. But I'm with, everybody understands when you say, the only place people say, well, what's your budget? Is that a car dealership? Or maybe when you're buying a house, um, you're going to buy a boat. You're no, going to no, buy no, a boat. No, that's not necessarily true, Ty. You don't think so? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I think if you're going to go buy a boat. It depends hey, on where, you're, where you frequent sometimes. They'll what? ask you what your budget is. <laughs> Maybe. When I bought my boat, How much man, you want to spend? <laughs> well, that's different. Okay. That's your budget? <laughs> if you're looking to buy a boat in the wrong part of town. That's pretty damn funny right there, folks. I don't care who you are, right? Well, yeah, if you're looking to buy that kind of boat, um, That'll be a whole different show. Cadillac boat. Yeah, that is definitely backwater hustle after dark. Yeah, but no, sure. but no, you're right. So he, budget's no object. And, well, he, and he just went on there just to get a simple, right? Throw some, you know, because he's not a this particular type of angler. Okay. Yeah, has and never fished out of that type of structure. Never, ever. Right. And, and if if you want, you've owned some boats in your lifetime, and if and if oh, someone yeah, asked you for for a, a boat opinion, you'd be able to give them a fair, honest assessment of your experience. Well, I'm the kind of guy that no matter, we all know that I, well, most folks know me, they know what kind of boat I have, but I have a Hughes, 22 foot, 21, nine foot Hughes class boat. Um, that being said, if someone were to call me and say, hey, you know, Captain Don, Captain Don. Um, Captain Don, Captain Don. This is Captain Don. Hey, what kind of boat would you like? What kind of boat should I get? Well, like, you're right. I would say, well, hey, what kind of fishing do you do most? Right. And then I would say, uh, I wouldn't even ask them what their budget is because that's none of my business, number one. Right. Um, And then I would, without a shadow of a doubt, I would give them, in my opinion, just like this show, these are just mine and your opinions. They're not facts. Well, sometimes they're facts, but, yeah. uh, you know, they're opinions. And I would give them my opinion. And it may not even be a Hughes. It may not be a Carolina Skip as you, right. as you run. Uh, it may not be, a, you know, a Maverick or a Pathfinder. But, it, you know, I would give them my opinion right. uh, regardless of who I'm sponsored by or who, you know, does this or does that right. for me. I'll, I'll give them a true, honest assessment and opinion of what they're, what they're trying to get. Sure you would. And I think your first qualifying question back to them was very important and what kind of fishing are you looking to do? Um, that's a if a guy says, "Hey man, I need to buy a boat." Well, hell, go out and get you a twenty-one foot Hughes. Well, I want to go hundred miles offshore. Not going to work. Yeah. Not so the work. question: What kind of fishing are you going to do? Is or I've, a, got a, or I've got a family of eight. 
you know, or a family of six or whatever, you know, something yeah. like that. I mean, Flat, so flat boat's not going to get it done for sure you. Sure it's not. And yeah. so, I mean, and so I guess it just surprised he and I because he is a, he fishes out of a boat. And so he was getting his uh, son-in-law uh, a certain type of a fishing vessel. Right. And water, could, watercraft. Watercraft. And, and just could not, he said, it blew him away. He said, Donnie, it blew me away that after an hour or an hour gone by, then three hours gone by, nobody had given a, yeah. a, a name brand, a size. It's, um, be, it's because fishing has become a gadget game, and and you know that. It, fishing is a gadget game. Everything is um, everything's coin-operated, and everything is, um, what's the word I'm looking for? It's, it's not materialistic. It's, you know, it's um, brand, recognition. brand recognition, everything, right? Um, well, our, our whole life is based around brand recognition, unfortunately. It is. And, you know, back uh, back years ago, it's no surprise um, to anyone. They've heard me say on, the, on the, our show before, I used to be a kayak fisherman. And I did it for about nine years. And We can't be friends anymore, then. I don't, that's okay. I didn't really like you that much did to I, begin did with. I, did I know that? Yeah, you knew that already. Did I really? Yeah. Yeah, we've talked about it. So, was I paying attention? Well, no, I even said it on the last podcast. I, I fished out of a kayak for about nine years till I met the Hamburglar. That's a pretty funny oh, comment. Bastard. Yeah. So anyway, <laughs> but the you know I would take slack from some guys. It's too bad we're not filming this in here. So people, this was live because people can see what I'm doing to him right now. You know. Yeah. But anyways, I'm, I was saluting Ty just then about him being a an excellent kayak, kayak fisherman. fisherman. Anyway, go ahead, but I'm sorry. it was I mean it was an experience. But my thing was is I didn't spend thousands of dollars on this watercraft. I, you know I went out and I, I bought uh, what I liked, and um, I didn't ask for a whole bunch of opinions on it, but. I would see people would they would look different at me at the boat ramps. They would treat me differently because of the kayak I was in versus yeah because of I didn't have pedals or I didn't have this name brand or I didn't have that name brand or I didn't have this carbon fiber paddle or whatever. Um, I got criticized one time at the boat ramp because I had a cooler bag made by Igloo and I had it in, and I, and you got to realize I fished in a sit inside kayak, not a sit on top. So oh, you definitely weren't. Cool I was against you. the grain. Yeah, you were a dork. Um, I like to sit inside because I built my own dashboard for it, and I plugged the dashboard in. I had everything I needed right there on my dash. I had rod holders and everything right so up. So you my... had a dash on your kayak for real? I did, for well, real. I, I was this. comfortable. Do you still have this kayak? Yeah, I do. I uh, it's got a dashboard. Yeah, have my bag. I pushed. Well, my ladies and gentlemen, in. we'll be posting a picture of Cat Ty's kayak with the dashboard on Backwater Hustlers, the podcast page, as well as in the Backwater Hustlers. Uh, Facebook page group, and if I can get a hold of it, I'll even put it up on Instagram and all, all our Facebook, because I'm dying to see a kayak with a dash. This is the kayak that I will fish. Uh, we got a kayak fishing tournament coming up in the March. I will fish out of that same very kayak. With the dash. With the dash. Does it have, like, tack, attack on it, you know, a speedometer to no. you that you're going, like, 0. 0.26 miles per hour, you know, when you're heading no. and everything? It's yeah. got two rod holders, and it's got a cutting board. So it's not really a dash then. No, it's Come more on. of a work surface, but it's it, it's been but called said dash. It's now, been I'll, called a dash by other people. That's who's, what. Who's called it a dash? Other kayakers. Okay, they're idiots. Maybe. Dude, you know what a dash is? We had dashes on our boats. Yeah, it's not that kind of dash. Okay, well don't say dash. It, well, wait a minute. We don't have it. We all have dashes. This is a dash. What you're talking about is an instrument panel. It does. It does not have an instrument panel. It has a dash. Oh, don't go there with me. Don't go there with me. Are you defending your kayak now? <laughs> no, I'm not. He's defend- you're, you're defending your kayak. I'm not defending my kayak. You are defending your kayak. I, I haven't paddled my kayak 
and probably is it a pedal or paddle? It's a paddle. Anyway, I, I don't a, want to talk about kayaks. Honestly. Yeah, but I got one more point. I already got enough heat about kayaks. I don't <laughs> want to even mention the word. I mentioned the K word, like I was saying before. I got re- really interrupted by a, uh, the K word uh, comment. Has or, that or, has that become our new L word? K word. All I know is, man, is that my buddy was trying to buy a certain kind of fishing vessel, and he was just surprised that he couldn't get a straight answer as to which one to buy. So he bought three of them. That makes sense. And uh, that's what you do. You just cover the whole yeah, game. Yeah, just cover you know, them all. You know, you know how you don't, you don't even fool around with it. You just say, yeah, just cover it all. I'm going to take this kind, this kind, and that kind. And it's kind of like I'll, I'll get rid of I'll give it away. Right. So good job, buddy. No, I got it. No, okay. that's good. That's good. So now that you've got me off on, I have no idea why we're even talking about that for. Um, well, I'm not sure. Yeah, you were asking me a question from the beginning of the show about something, about brand recognition or something. I just, I don't know. I was I was trying to avoid the term monkey see, monkey do. and um, I would never say that. No. I, you know, I thought about that a lot. Um, I went out on the water um, yesterday and was doing a little scouting around. How's your back, by the way? It's better today. Good. Thank you. Yeah. Um, I just don't know how you hurt your back getting off the couch like that's crazy, man. I don't know, but I may need me one of them Zobby Dobbs. Um, a little blue Jiggy Jiggy style. A little Jiggy Jiggy Jiggy, right. yeah. I got you yeah. covered there. But uh, we, um, I was on the water yesterday, and I was riding around, and I had no tackle in the boat. No probably what it was riding around that boat you got. Yeah, probably. We'll talk about boats for a second, folks. Yeah. And back, well, no, let's back up for a second. So, folks, let's say somewhere were to call me and ask me about what kind of boat to get. And I have people that do ask me that, honestly, from time to time. Well, ask me, ask me quite a bit, actually. I guess I don't really think about it until you just brought it up. Right. But since you brought it up, I'm going to, uh, you know, I'll talk to the folks and I will say, well, you know, what kind of fishing do you want to do? We right. talk about their family size. Um, what kind of performance maybe, you know, they're trying to get out of it. Right. Uh, I have one buddy. I just talked to him. Matter of fact, it's funny. He just called me today. And he was saying that he was in the market looking at a boat. And he had found one, was going to go down south, I believe, this weekend to get it. And he started talking about, we started talking about boat loans and about um, the price of boats and how much the interest rate was and whatnot. And he said that he didn't realize that, that boat loans were almost as double, you know, as car, as car loans now. And, um, you know... He was like, I thought I could get one for 2 to 3%, you know, 4%. He's got good credit, you know, works at a bank. Yeah, probably not going to happen. Uh, yeah, but they all, they all want him to go like, it's like 4% mm-hmm. uh, for like 12 years. 12 years. Yeah. And if you, he goes, well, I, I don't want to go that long. I want to go 36%, that 36 months, you know, or no longer, maybe like 50 months. Yeah. I think he's at 50, 48 months, whatever he said. Yeah. Uh, but then it jacks up to like 6.49. Yeah, depreciation ruins that game. Yeah, and he said, man, because I, I don't, you know, it's, 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 and it's a brand new boat. It's like yeah. a deck boat. But, you know, he's got a family. Once again, it's a sure. conversation. He's getting like a, uh, like a hurricane, I think it's the name of it. I'm not sure. Uh, like a, but it's a pontoon, like deck kind of boat deal, right. you know. But that's what we all talked about. But me and a friend were talking to him on this thread saying, you know, a, that you're right, the depreciation value on any boat's going to, you know, tank. Yeah. But we told him that we thought, personally, I told him I thought he'd be better off getting a center console. You know, you can buy a center console boat now that will seat six people on it, you know, easily. Sure. You now they got the front, you know, in the bow. Yeah, you can put seats, seats behind you now. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, hard to fish out of. He but, said yeah. that he didn't, you know, didn't want a hurricane, you know, he didn't want a center console. And then the other gentleman on the feed chimed in and said, that uh, so he's getting a side console. 
well, it's like a deck boat, if I'm not mistaken. You know, I mean, like a yeah. true deck boat, you know, like a pontoon type deal. Right, I got you. And uh, my other buddy spoke up, you know, chimed in and said, hey, you know, Ruth, I think I think you ought to get the center console too because you won't be happy with it. You know, right. you're going to get a 60 on the back of this pontoon boat. The kids yeah. are going to outgrow it. They're not going to want to go out, out with you in two years. Two will be grown. And the next thing you know, you and the wife are in a pontoon boat with the 60 on the back of it. And right. Going 22 miles an hour down to ICW, getting beat to death. Yeah. And so, uh, but he was like hell bent on getting a, um, and so we're like, man, that's fine. So but all, it all goes back to A, what you want. What, yeah. B, what you, what your needs are. Right. C, what, what do you expect to get out of it? Yeah. And then most importantly, your budget. Yeah. Cost is going to play a factor, of course. Well, cost plays a part in everything. To me, that's like an unwritten rule. Yeah. That's why I don't even like, it's like you understood. I don't ask people that. Right. Because you already know. Yeah. yeah but I, I give people my yeah. opinion on, uh, and I gave them, it's funny, it's funny that, that just came up today, as a matter of fact. That's, that's yeah. pretty odd. But My honest opinion, and and I, lo- I like my boat. You but I would, but boat. I would give, I mean, to cut you off, let me just think about it. But I would give a brand name. I wouldn't be afraid to go. No, I wouldn't either. I'm going I'm to do it right here. I, I like my boat, and I looked at a lot of boats um, when I bought my boat. The honest truth about my boat is it's a rough riding boat, and um, even with the, that's putting it mildly. Putting it mildly. Yeah. And I'm, if, I'm just being honest with you. No, I, I love I'll, you to death. I mean, you know I'm, that we're obviously we're business partners and we're fishing partners and we're. But I'm the first one to tell friends. you. I'm the first one to tell you. You know, if it's one to three foot, my boat will go through it. But if it's six inches, it will beat the feelings out of your teeth. It yeah, will. Beat, it'll. Uh, it'll yeah. beat you to death. Yeah, it'll knock your feelings loose. Yeah. Yeah. It will rattle you, and that's to me. That's the the only. It will definitely move your organs around in your yeah. in your body. Yeah. To me, that's you'll the, need an adjustment. I would suggest post if you're gonna book a trip with Ty, book a trip with Ty, and then book a trip with a chiropractor afterwards. <laughs> well, I'm gonna make sure. I'm just I don't joking. My, I don't beat my clients up that bad. I, no, it doesn't. But no, you're right. Well, but first it, of all, you is. wouldn't you wouldn't fish. First of all, you wouldn't ride with your clients like you you and I ride out. Right. Because we have to sometimes. What we're doing. You know, right. but now, uh, with my boat, you fished in it. It gets skinny. It gets, skinny. It gets where it needs to be. Yeah. Oh, yeah. If I need it, it's a work boat. Well, you know, it, it's roomy. It is big and it's roomy. Um, you know, it it, it it won't blister you in the speed, but it'll get you there. Uh, Ty's scared to scratch it. Yeah, I am a little. It's still kind of new on me. Ladies and gentlemen, we'll go over our oyster bed, and Ty's rear end will pucker. Uh, it looks like his rear end is eating his shorts uh, when we. Hit the mildest little you hear a little scrape and towel. <laughs> anyway, you know it's true. Yeah, well, I'm sure I'm not the only one out there. Go ahead and admit it. No, I, I'm, I'm okay. I'm agreeing with you. Listen, but since I've gotten better, though. don't get off track now. I, no, I, I've, I, got, I, I've I gotten better. Interrupt your train of thought. There. I've gotten better. I mean, I've well, it's like mine. I, I don't. You know, obviously, you've been with me a bunch of times, mine too, and I, I never try to do anything that is going to uh, mess it up or scratch it or scrape it. Yeah. But man, you know the fishing we do. I just spent a few hundred bucks. What was it last week? Trying to make some repairs to my lower unit because I hit some moisture beds. Lord, Lord, Lord knows your lower unit needs some work. Yeah, and um, <laughs> you know, you and I was in it the other day, and I ran it up on the bank or on the uh, on the sandbar right in the middle of the river. And uh, oh yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, so I'm getting we're like better. Mud bogging, aren't we? Yeah, I'm getting better at uh, putting you it. You know, in some paint off your skeg there too, didn't you? Yeah, I saw that. So it's getting better. A little sandblast action. Yeah. So uh, looking good. Though. I mean, I mean, it looks like you use get, it though. You it's know? getting better. It's got yeah. some. It's got some character. I, I like the boat. I think it's it's a comfortable boat. You can put clients in it, and they're they're comfortable in the boat. Uh, it's just a rough riding boat. That's, I looked at those honestly, and, and you told the folks what you have, right? You got a Carolina skiff. I got a, a the twenty two DLV two eighteen twenty one foot long, eight foot wide. I looked at those. Uh, it was nowhere that big. 
I went out went out and met a gentleman out in Hilliard area who had one like an eighteen foot or something, and uh, we went out for a ride in what's that creek out there, man, off of uh by the police lodge out there. What's that creek out there called? Edwards Creek. Real skinny end of it. Boggy Creek. Boggy Creek. Yeah. And uh, a couple houses out there on Boggy Creek, right? And yeah. man, man, dude, oh, just yeah. riding to that little creek. Yeah. It took me about twenty minutes riding on it, and. I said, thank you, sir, but that's just, I, yeah. I, I can't handle that. You know, my yeah. date like it is, I, I'd be, I would have to ride one day and then rest for three. You right, know? yeah. Well, it will. Mm-hmm. I mean, and I agree. It's, um, and I'm not knocking the boat. It's, I mean, it's, it's sound built. I mean, it's. It may be the, um, you know, what I what I did a few weeks ago, we are talking about this boat, and this will be the last thing I'll say about it. Um, I did, um, it's got um, the way the DLV hull shape is kind of like, it's a tunnel hull type design. What's that stand for, DLV? Um, I don't know what DLV stands for. I, I wouldn't try to put you on the spot. I was just curious. I mean, because, you know, all these boats have mm-hmm. these different, yeah. the 2204 HS or the 23, you know, 100 HPV or the, you know, yeah. I don't know what all that stuff means, man. My buddy bought the, uh, he bought the uh, three kayaks and just to close that out, bought three kayaks and I look forward to hopping in one of those little tiny uh, vessels. And uh, thank God, I think you got two of them that have pedals and one has a paddle. But, uh, Look forward to trying that out. All right. That'll be, that'll be pretty interesting. All right. you know, Sounds good. Walk yeah. out there and determine coming up here in a few weeks. It's fun. And with, with all the, the bull crap that we've said and thought about kayakers and whether it's true or not, whatever, make oh, up your oh, own mind. True. Listen, I either love them or hate them just the, the as one, much as The you ones do. that I'm referring to, it's, it's absolutely true. Right. We got I'm, a couple. I'm not trying to, you know, obviously ruffle any, uh, I'm not trying to flap up any plastic here, but, uh, you know. Well, we've got some good friends that are kayakers. A lot of great friends um, that are kayakers. You know, I own kayaks. Um, listen, I don't. If you if you're offended by what we say, it's probably because it's true. Oh, I, I agree with that. 100%. I mean, that, that's probably the bottom line. Because why else would you be offended? So hey, there's a bunch of boaters that are a holes, man. Yeah. I said that in one show. I think that we got a lot, lot, lot of flack on the elephant in the room show or, or the FM show. You know, there's just many boaters, if not more, that are a holes, um, and the way that they you know, like I said before, they'll you know they'll they ride on the wrong side of the river. They'll cut you off. They wake you to death. They go through. Let me tell you about that. I was at the wake zone at Sisters Creek. By the way, we're here in Northeast Florida. If any of you folks who are listening, they don't know where we're based out of. I know it says it at the beginning, but I'm just telling you again, we're in Northeast Florida. I'm Jacksonville area and ties up north in the Nassau County area, Ferndina Beach area, and I finally got to take my lovely wife out fishing which we don't get to do that that often and we went out and caught a few fish and uh we had a good time just kind of riding around and checking some spots and so forth and so on ty i pull up to the dock at sisters creek and as a matter of fact listen to this okay so this is a funny story i've been listening but i'll listen now too i, th- I, th- I thought you were doing something else over there well i am but i'm listening i get up to the ramp tie off i put my power poles down because it was you know, shallow incoming you know my poles reach eight feet mm-hmm well, as I'm walking up to the, to the, um, you know, walking up the dock to get my truck off the ramp and everything, I just happen to look, and here comes a boat flying, hauling through the wake zone. Through the no wake zone. No wake zone now. And it's a, and it's a big, deep V-hole boat, you know, like an offshore-type boat. I'm not sure what the brands are, like a Wellcraft or a yeah, whatever. Sea Hunt or whatever they're called, you know. Yeah. Another guy just pulled up in a brand new, we talked about it as we were getting out of them, Nautic Star, I think it's what it's called. Okay. 
Is that right? Nautic star? There is a nautic star. Okay. He ties up. Well, this boat comes flying through the no-way zone. It picks my boat up like this. Thank God having power poles down. Right. Up just straight up and down. Well, it took his nautic star and picked it up and literally about four or five inches, maybe six inches, up on the dock. Sweet. Yeah, it banged the holy crap out of this dude's brand new boat. He's had it for two weeks. Yeah. Because some jerk-off boater not observing the no-wake zone laws and rules. Right. And see, that's just what I'm talking about because boaters, boaters can be just as big as a-holes too. Well, what a lot of boaters don't realize is that you are responsible for your own wake. And that is your wake all the way until there is no wake. So you may think, wakey, wakey. well, you may think, oh, I'm in a boat and I'm in the channel. I can do whatever I want. That is not true. You cannot do whatever you want to do. You're responsible for your wake. And if there's people outside the channel and your wake flips them over or causes them bodily harm, you're responsible for that wake. Sure. And But this dude did this. He's going through a no-wake zone, though. But the point is that there's boaters that will cut you off. They'll pull up on you when you're fishing a spot. You've had it done to you. I've had it done to me. Yeah, uh, we're going to have it done to us this weekend. I'm sure we will. And we'll talk about this weekend in a little bit. But anyways, folks, what I'm saying is, you know, Ty and I, we, we did get a lot of uh, grief, uh, a lot of undue, in my opinion. Uh, yeah. <clears throat> because they, they obviously didn't listen to the whole show. But uh, that, that being said, you know, yeah, there's some kayakers that are jerk-offs. You know, there are some uh, a lot of boaters that are jerk-offs. Uh, hey, man, I've had people from the bank sling Yesterday, hey, yesterday, after my charter yesterday, uh, we came under the, a certain bridge here in town. Yeah. And there's a boat ramp right near this certain bridge. Yeah. And there's a restaurant by this boat ramp by this certain bridge. Right. Well, these individuals fish off this certain bridge, okay? Uh-huh. Uh, a boat came by, and I guess one of the individuals did not approve of the distance that the boat gave him from his fishing line. Oh, Okay. Which, which surprised me because, honestly, I didn't know they were up there because we were coming from north to south. Right. I'm sorry, south to north. Okay. And the gentleman, he proceeds to uh, express his displeasure and then starts slinging his line yeah. out towards the gentleman in the boat. Yeah. Well, in doing so, there are power lines. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. And he threw it, and he just, it serves him right, you know, but he threw it, he was trying to throw it at the boat. Yeah. And it got hung around the power lines. Yeah, it should have. So then it was funny. So yeah. then we were all like at him then, you know. Right. But anyway, sorry. Well, if, you know, the the thing I got about that is, you know, people fish off the bridges all the time, and they fish off the bridge. Which they have a right to do. And, and uh, they do. Which I'm, I'm really surprised that they do because it seems pretty dangerous to me, but. Seems really dangerous to me. And uh, as long as, I guess, as long as they're not fishing in the channel. Um, they're okay and boaters. How they cast them, man? That's what I always wonder. I don't, I don't know. Side on. Must be an art to it. Maybe we need to have somebody who bridge fishes. In fact, I know a guy. Maybe I know a guy. Maybe maybe we should just go bridge. Now, there's fishing. a gentleman that works out at a, a certain a, a bait shop here in town. Yeah. And that's all he does is bridge fish. Well, there's a culture in that. There's a, a pier fishing culture, a surf fishing culture, uh, boaters, kayak. I mean, it's weird how everybody kind of clicks up. Has and their own culture. Has their own culture, and it's mm-hmm. clicked up, and. um you know, and I'm sure I there's a bridge, light life, I guess, pretty much. A bridge know. fishing culture. So, but man, this dude, uh, I talked to him yesterday morning at the at the bait shop, and uh, dude, he had caught. I mean, he had him up there. He'd already been out super early that morning. I got there like at seven forty-five, right. and uh, he'd been out since like six o'clock, and he had like a twenty-four inch trout, a nineteen inch trout. Um, I think he said a whiting or something, maybe. 
Yeah, Whiting, right? Whiting's running pretty thick right yeah, now. Yeah, Whiting right now, and he also had a black drum yeah. that he had caught off the bridge. And he said, there's wearing them out up near you, matter of fact, off that bridge that runs to you out there. Yeah, there's, um, they're catching Whiting out there. I, I mean, it's amazing how many they're catching, and they're limited. And, I, you know, we're conservationists, and I usually get on people's rough side when I start talking about keeping fish. Whiting may be one of those fish that you can keep and never affect the fishery. It just seems that way to me. There's, it just seems like there's always more of those, um, and I'm not sure why. I don't know if they're more heavy breeders or what the deal may. But um, I mean, we're just going to have to do some more research on that breeder thing. Yeah, because I'm not positive about those. I don't really target those a whole lot. Um, yeah, I don't know. I see, like, I see guys catching a lot of them, though, and it's like plenty of action, I guess, for a charter, you know. Yeah, I guess if you're into that thing. I don't know about the whiting. I'd just rather target redfish or Trout, trout flounder, yeah. flounder. Me too. Yeah, something else. So, all right. So here's a question okay. um, that we got that came in through uh, some form of social media. All right. Uh, does the current um, in a river um, move faster on the surface um, at the bottom or in the middle? So the, I guess the the question would be if there's a ten if you have ten foot depth of your river and the current's going in or going out, whatever, and um, current seems like it's ripping on the surface is it ripping in the middle five foot deep and is it ripping at 10 foot deep on the bottom uh what do you think about that captain i'll just let you handle that one no uh i guess i probably need a little more information about so they're asking if the current is does it run is it the same throughout the river or is it at different speeds yeah. depending on the depth that you yeah, get along down the water to column yeah if you're fishing you know on the surface everybody sees you know i think as fishermen we get affected by what we can see and what affects us sure um you know the, the weather obviously That's we, life in general yeah yeah we all know the weather only affects the fishermen uh you know the wind blows fish don't know the wind are blowing the wind's blowing um so you don't think fish know the wind is blowing i don't think so 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 you don't think uh that when the wind is pushing out, let's say a certain creek or a flat, and the fish can the fish have to be able to tell that the tide's dropping and probably probably dropping faster than normal, uh, and they may not know it's the wind, but I guess they know that the tide is dropping faster. I guess they may not know what's causing it, but they know right. it's dropping faster. I guess. Yeah, I agree you know with what you're that. saying. Yes. Okay. Now they may see the effects of the wind on the surface if they're shallow fish. You know, I would say maybe I don't know how far they can see. They may be able to see, you know, 40 miles or, or four feet. I don't know the answer to that. But if they're in a, you know, if they're set up in a shallow creek three or four foot deep and the wind's blowing across top of that creating, you know, some ripples or whatever, they may be able to see that and it distorts, um, you know, what they can see above the waterline. I don't know the answer to that question. So, but do fish know that's wind blowing and causing that? I don't think so. Yeah, probably not. But, they, but they, I think they just feel the result of... <clears throat> you know what's taking place yeah they probably see the result you know right yeah okay or feel the result i should yeah, say yeah so so the question is you're sitting in a creek let's just say 10 foot deep currents ripping on the surface um is it ripping at 10 foot deep and uh you know looking like doing a little research on it and those type of things it appears that so you can always research these things and then you ask me these things just blind but i'll try to do my best here that's what we do <laughs> yeah that's right you're Smart guy, you should be able to get it. So, as we were discussing, um, I think that it's it's water, it's hydrodynamics or whatever you want to call it. Um, if you got more area to cover, the water will probably flow a little slower. If you tighten that area up, uh, it's going to go a little faster. And like we were discussing, if you're in a creek that's uh, 20 yards wide from bank to bank, but at 10 foot deep, uh, there's a you know the the crevice at that at that depth is only five foot wide. 
well, that current may flow faster through that uh, because it's more narrow. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, I, yeah I do think, obviously, it's probably like anything else. You have higher tides uh, with coefficient. You know what that is? Uh, the coefficient is like the you know the height of the tides. You know, be higher. You know, certain times of the month we're going to have higher tides and um, lower water. Uh, and so, obviously, you got bigger water. You're going to have faster tides. Uh, do I think that the current in five foot is is the same as the current in ten foot of water? Probably, probably not. Yeah. Well, you know. I, I, I say ten foot, maybe maybe fifteen foot, perhaps, because just yeah. by the sheer number of gallons of water being dumped yeah. or moving, uh, but I have to do some more research on that. I just don't think there's enough gallons of water, maybe you know, five foot to ten foot, to make a difference. But if you go from five foot to maybe fifteen foot yeah. or twenty foot, then yeah, but just because of the sheer amount of you know water being displaced and right. moving out, yes, I would think there'd be a difference. I, I tend to think, in what I've read a little bit, and and trying to apply some logic to it, that. On the surface, there's less resistance on the water moving. So at the bottom, there would be uh, variations in the bottom. You know, deviations, undulations, and, and you'd have uh, structure and potholes, yeah. and even, which would you know, slow the water down. Obviously, sure. it would displace it in a different manner. Yeah. Um, so I would think that I would think the answer path of less the path of least path resistance. of least resistance. Yeah. So yeah, that, that would make sense to me. So what I would say first, without doing any more research, would be. Um, no, the water definitely moves faster on the surface than it does the bottom. That's my initial thought process on that. Um, I agree with that. Okay. <clears throat> so looking um, out on the interwebs, uh, we find uh, this scenario. Examine uh, two creeks and the speed of the current at the same depth. The water in a creek with half the width of another otherwise equal creek flows twice as fast. Makes sense. That's what we just said. Right. Okay. <clears throat> Um, the speed of the current in a river is faster in a narrow place uh, than a wider place. We just said that sure. as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, the current is faster at a place where the bottom of the river is steep. Makes sense. Sure, it's going downhill. Yeah, yeah it's going down. Yeah, <laughs> a place from where water flows fast in a river is where the width is narrow and the bottom steep. Uh, an example of such a river would be a gorge. Blah blah blah. Uh, obviously, the center and outside corners of a river. Uh, usually the speed of the river water is the fastest in the upper reaches. It becomes slower at the middle reaches and slowest at the lower reaches. And there, the, well, there's your answer then. Yeah. In the same place of the same river, the speed of the current also differs. Where a river runs straight, the current is faster. Uh, the center, um, I'm sorry, where the river runs straight, the current is faster. In the center and slower near the, the river bank. Well, so that's basically what we just said then. I mean, yeah. you kind of just solidified what we just talked about. Yeah, without, where a river, all the technical stuff. Right. Where a river meanders, the current is fastest at the outside edge and becomes slower near the inside I do edge. A lot, I do a lot of meandering myself. Yeah. So, that, I mean, it's good information to know uh, if the fish that you're targeting uh, is more tide-specific. Um, yes, yeah, so I guess when, in theory, what, what the guy was asking is basically if he goes into a river and the, you know, the current's moving pretty brisk up top, but he knows the fish are there on this certain tide. The tide is, let's say, outgoing, for instance, and it's smoking – uh, does he feel like that he, you know, he may not necessarily you know, need a heavier weight to hold the bottom, let's say, or else right. should he fish this spot until the current slows down enough, but then the fish may be gone at that point. Right. Uh, and so I, I get the question. It yeah. makes sense. The uh, fish may like a certain, they may feel comfortable, as we learned with Dr. Ross, they may feel comfortable with a certain current flow. So they may not get that on the surface all the time once the 
current speeds up, so they go down deeper or they move into these corners to find that current flow. Well, you know, that I'm, sh- I'm sure if you ask, you know, ten guys, you'll probably get ten different answer- answers. You know, it just seems like to me, from my experience, if, if, when I'm fishing in the river, like with you sometimes, or the current, or some of these big creeks, if you will, uh, the bite seems to be better to me. And I, you always hear guys say, "Fish the last of the outgoing and first of the incoming." Well, I'm not sure, you know, if they apply that logic because they think that's when the fish, you know, when the bait is being pushed out or if that's... Uh, tides are slowing down. The tides are slowing down. And, and that's, I mean, that's that's what I think, you know, yeah. is the tides are obviously slowing down at, at, during that time. Right. Uh, you know, redfish are fat and lethargic. For, we're talking about redfish now. Uh, you know, they're not going to chase the bait down. You know, they, they ambush up, you know, ambush spots and they, they stage up... Uh, when yeah, the, they when sit the tides, and wait. Yeah, they sit and wait. So when yeah. the tide slows down, it's easier for them to to feed, of course. Right. But that you know that, that logic can also be applied to the top of the you know top of the incoming, top of the outgoing, just sure. the same. Sure, it can. But you never hear guys say that. That's that's what I, I, that's why I was bringing it up for. Well, I think low water presents a whole nother. Um, you know, low water to me is the easy button on some of this stuff. And I know lately it seems like the bite's been a little tough, no matter what the current is. Yeah. Um, or the the um, the tide. You know, when if you, I mean, if you think about it, you've got a wide river, wide creek, deep, deep and wide. At high tide, um, at low tide, you may have half that water volume. So well, you the fish bunch up. Yeah, yeah so they good, they got yeah. less place to go. That's so good, yeah. you got a better chance of catching them, obviously. So I, but I see, but things, but some of the things I've read is, you know, the, the best time to catch a, you know, redfish. What I'm talking about is uh you know right at the top because right. you know the top is when it, it's very you know at the top of it is when all the the bait the crabs the you know the finger minnows or whatever mud minnows and whatnot uh are they're getting washed out of the grass from the very beginning right and they say that's when you know one of the best times to makes, know, makes sense makes sense to me but you know i just haven't had a whole lot of success personally on that high outgoing tide i mean I, maybe i've never really paid attention to it that much well you know when you think now that you said it out loud and i listen to you say it when you think about it the um outgoing tide the water always seems to be more dirty uh, it does has more junk in it grass and the bait and stuff and yeah. stuff yeah so mm-hmm. when it comes in it seems to be a little more clean so you which can, makes sense because yeah. it's cleaner water yeah, yeah you can apply that to what you just said about um you know the the high tide the high outgoing tide or the high is, um, yeah. you know, ringing the dinner bell, so to speak. Exactly right. Um, I do feel that redfish are going to find cleaner water, though. So I think that they're, you know, they don't have the best eyesight. And I do think they'll, and I know we've called them, Donnie, and muddy water and black chocolate milk water, whatever you want to call it. But um, I do think they. I know they're not super salinity sensitive. I know a lot of guys, you know, you hear that, I'm going to find clean water and right. I'm going to, uh, I mean, you know, yeah, I, I agree with you. I think that, you know, like anything else, it's probably better for them. Well, they need oxygen, and we know that dissolved oxygen is going to be in less, you know, more, more a little cleaner water. And I'm not saying it's got to be crystal clear green water, um, you know, or, or ocean blue water, but just but, a but little cleaner. But so many cleaner. guys that I know, now there's a difference between being clean water and there's a difference between, you know, the water looking clean and then a difference between being, you know, actually clean, clean. You know what I'm saying? There's, there, there's a difference. Yeah, of course there Does that is. Does make sense to you? Yeah, okay. no, I get it. Uh, and it, But, you know, the thing about it, a lot of areas we fish are well inland, 
and the water just doesn't have the time to get to get the clean up get clean up in there. Right. Uh, I know that a lot of the algae dies off during the cold and all that sort of stuff, mm-hmm. but the reality of it is, the water is not. You know, when you come up and fish a, a mouth creek mouth, let's say off of Citrus Creek, for instance, right. or by Fort George or somewhere, uh, that water there is green right now. It's clean and pretty. Right. But yet you can go down to Nassau. I mean, you can go way up in some of the back creeks, you know. Right. And the water is dingy and dark, and we've caught some of the biggest fish up there that we've ever caught, you know. So No, for sure. And so I think it's kind of a, once again, I don't, I don't want to say the terminology, but it's a... You know, you hear something, so therefore, because you hear it, you tend to believe it. No, I, yeah. And I'm not saying, you know, I'm, I don't know that there's a fact that says, hey, they do, they do prefer cleaner water. I mean, I'm sure there's probably more oxygen in it, so therefore, it's probably, right. you know, better for them. But I know that they're an ambush predator. Yes. So therefore, they're hard, they're hard to be camouflaged. It's hard for them to be camouflaged in order to ambush, you know, their prey. Right. Uh, you know, I've seen them in both, and that's what I so that's why I kind of don't have a. A, a staunch opinion on it. Sure, uh, I've seen them in water that's chocolate milk, look, chocolate milk looking, and just nasty. You know, you wouldn't even sit in. And then I've seen them also in you know, crystal clear water too. So, right. like okay. over in St. Hatchie, for instance, or Crystal yeah. River, I mean, no, beautiful it, water over to Gene Clear Water, and you know it looks clean. Right now, is it like actually clean, clean? I don't know, but but I've seen them in both. I've seen them in you know just mud. In mud. I mean, yeah, for God's sakes, they root around the mud. Yeah, we've seen them in some muddy water. You know, so, and, yeah. Um, yeah. So, um, yeah, I agree with you on all that. Um, and not that I'm a scientist or biologist, but... You're a fisherman. A fisherman. That's just what I've... My, that's once again, my opinion, folks. If you spend six hours a day on the water, two hundred six hours a day, 200 days a year for 10 years, you know a hell of a lot more on what's going on in the river than any uh, college graduate. Um, I spend, you know, at least that, yeah. 23 years old that's probably never actually uh, caught a fish. Right so, uh, mm-hmm. all right. So what you else want? you got for us on the docket there, big time? What's that? So what else you got on the docket for us today on this uh, you lovely wanna, uh You want to talk about hustle. fishing the uh, tournaments coming up here pretty soon? We got a couple tournaments. Uh, oh, I was just going to tell you. I mean, you know, you know, we obviously have the uh, – some people know when the show is being put out. We have the Florida – not the Florida Pro, but the uh, – we fished in the Florida Pro. We did pretty well on that. Yeah. Uh, but we have the uh, IFA that's coming up weekend. IFA. That we're going to get after them. Yeah. This Saturday. So uh, – Hope we uh, have a good showing in that. Looking forward to it. How about you? Yep, looking forward to it for sure. We uh, it's going to be crowded, I'm sure. Yeah, I think we're ready. Well, like I told uh, the lady, one of our friends on our one of our, our backwater hustlers group, uh, she lives down in the Tampa area, and she said that she was going to com- be competing in her first tournament. And you know, my advice to her was, I said, you know, be confident. I said, if this makes sense to you, go fish where you know that fish are. Yeah, that's great advice. And she rubbed me back. She goes, that makes perfectly good sense. I said, if you do that, you'll be able to put yourself, you can be competitive, and you're putting yourself in a position to do well. And you know what? You may not win, and hey, sometimes the right ones don't bite. But if you've done your homework and you know where fish are at, and if, you, if you're going where you know where fish are at, then... Right, you improve your odds for sure. Improve your odds for sure, and that's that's all you can really do. Right. So speaking of of tournament fishing and your advice, um, you just offer up some keys to success. Uh-oh, should I get my pen out? Only if you want to. I'm gonna get my pen out. Hold on a second. So write this down, folks. We uh, today as, today's uh, thoughts from Ty McNeely. <laughs> is that what it is? Yeah. Yeah. Here I got gotcha. you. So we'll uh, we'll just kind of get through them and see what you think about them, and. Um, Okay, so how to become successful? How do, how do you uh, become a successful angler? 
not just a tournament angler, but how do you, just a weekender, you know, what can they take away from our experiences, right? And what can they do? So I mm. think you just hit the nail on the head a second ago when you said confidence. I think that's got to be your number one thing. If, if you have confidence in your ability, one, uh, your, your gear and what you're doing, uh, that goes a long way. Um, obviously, you need to have fish there and all those things, but if you have confidence in your plan, and uh, in your ability, I, I think that's uh, that's key. Well, when I say confidence, you know, obviously, I think the your tackle and your gear that's going that's just kind of a that's going to take care of itself. You know, uh, before I, I'm getting prepared for a tournament, I make sure I have all you know new leaders and good line, and I check all that, and my rods and reels are working right. I check my eyes of my on my rod to make sure I don't have any kind of nicks or anything like that. Right. So I'm always confident in my tackle. Uh, I do a run throw on my boat. Uh, then as far as the confidence on the water, like you know, like we do, and like most folks you know, probably try to do or should do, you go out and you pre-fish or you uh, you try to locate fish, and then really, you know, the rest of it ends up to the fish. Right. I mean, I, mean, I don't care how great, great you are. Uh, you know, if you don't, if you're not fishing where fish are at, then right. it doesn't matter how good you are. You're not going to catch fish. Right, and confidence it's it's not something that just happens. I mean, you got to work at it, and make it happen. And hey, I mean, I th- hey, we both have days where we've gone out, and one day you'll absolutely blister their rear ends. Yeah, and then the next day or a couple days later, you, you can't hardly buy a bite. Right, and so it's definitely a it's a moral it's it's, a, it's deflating. Yeah. Uh, well, that's where I think community it spots. your confidence right in the teeth, you know. Community spots come from a lack of confidence. You know, you got weekend anglers. They got two days, maybe, if the weather's good and they don't have honeydew list. Mm-hmm. They got to go catch fish. They're going to go back to the same spots sure, over I, and I, over. I get it. I mean, I, was, I used to be one of them. I mean, you know. They're confident in that spot. Sure, absolutely. Yeah, okay. So um, we agree confidence is a good key. All right, tackle. I think you touched on tackle yeah. a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, the key to having good equipment is taking care of it. You well, know? you know, like – me and your buddies, and you know it, but if I've heard you say it once for the last two months, I've heard you, boop, 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 this, this particular reel that you have, when you throw it, the bell always comes undone. Sure does. I wouldn't put up with that no more than a man to moon. Yep. And you know why? And I know you're a pretty technical guy and pretty handy craftsman yeah. there. Why? I that hasn't fix been. fix it in minutes. Yeah, I just don't understand that, you know, but yeah. I'm not going to say anything to you because it's your business, you know. Well, you know. Uh, it's no so different than me with, you know, my, I have a certain kind of reels that make some kind of noise and, I mean, I've sent off for the uh, certain part that makes the noise and all I can do is wait for it to get here, but yeah. it doesn't affect the performance of the reel. I have confidence in that rig. Mm-hmm. Um, I do. And, you know, I mean, we went out and beat down some big, big, uh, heavy duty redfish um, and I had a wind knot in that in that rig and refused to take it out because of confidence. Right. I mean, I just so anyway, tackle's a good thing, and and you know obviously you should always take care of your gear. You know, clean it appropriately, prop properly and appropriately. Um, you know, take care of your boat, take care of your trailer, whatever your vessel is. You go fishing, you got to take care of it. You know, and and days when you need it to happen, it'll be there for you. That won't be the weak link because I promise you, even when you do all the right stuff. Yeah, there's still gonna be stuff that's gonna happen. It's gonna. It happen. does every tournament. It does every. It seems like it doesn't matter what it is. Something is gonna happen. Right. That's just. You, I don't care how thorough you are. I'll go through my stuff the night before a trip, the night before a tournament, or really the week leading up to a tournament. Right. And I'm just amazed at just. Well, when your gear's all working properly and you have confidence to play off these keys, when you have confidence in your gear, that's one less thing you have to worry about. Mm-hmm. All right. So you can spend more time. Uh, 
preparing, you know, for, the preparing for the tournament. Researching, preparing for the tournament. Right. Yeah, absolutely. So number three is effective research. Not just research, but effective research. So uh, what's effective research? All right, no two rivers, uh, flats, creeks are the same. Some are deep, some are shallow, some are clear, some are dirty. Uh, pre-tournament, uh, pre-fishing or research mm-hmm. um, is a valuable key. I know we kind of differ on some of this a little bit. Um, we both enjoy pre-fishing. We both do it. Um, I don't think that you necessarily have to go out and actually fish. With you know, I told I told you I was out yesterday. and didn't even take a rod and reel. Didn't have no tackle on the boat at all. Um, I was out charting the bottoms, uh, looking for structure, looking for points and peaks, looking for tidal flows and all these things. Uh, trying to do some effective research, watching the what points. Just so the folks will know at home, just because uh, you know they hear someone here talking like we're, we we always yuck it up, and but we do disagree on a lot of things. Uh, but we always seem to come to a common resolve. Uh, tell the folks what, what are some things that you and I disagree on, and, and, and why we disagree on. A matter of fact, um, now that just, you just give me a couple of them. Now that you put me on the spot, um, well, I know one off the top of my head. All right, you, you prefer to fish deeper water. I do, and prefer I don't. To. You right, know, right now, I'll, I'll obviously I'll fish shallow water, and I don't mind getting up into the mud flats. Um, getting up in that skinny water, so to speak, less than three foot of water. I don't mind getting up in there and doing it. If I have a preference, I'm going to fish deeper water. Why? Because I'm confident in it, right? That's where, that that would be the reason. It has nothing to do with ability or, well, that's the way Donnie But would you have the same confidence in it if you only had to use artificials as my question? That's why I try to explain to you on the boat. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, you know, because, I just... Because, I mean, that's why I try to explain to you and I'll explain to people... At home or listening the way I feel, the way I do, deep water, yeah, I'm sure people, you know, you can go out there with live bait and you can probably fill the boat with good fish. I don't doubt that. I've done it, do it on charters. Me and you've done it with artificials even. Yeah. But the reality of it is you may know that those fish come through there, through that area, and, you know, you catch them with live bait. But when you're throwing artificials, uh, it's a whole a whole different ball game. At least that's my opinion. Oh, yeah, of course it is. You know, that's so why that's the tournaments why are artificial. I prefer to fish shallower water, right? Because a, I can see them. I, b, I know they're in there with a with a time sensitive, sensitive thing like a tournament. Since we are talking about tournaments, right? You know, you can go fish deep water all day though, and man, and not know they're there because you can't see them. Well, if you've caught them there before, then you could assume they're there. Just the way you, you that can you can ass- assume you, that they're going to be on a flat. But, yeah. but I'll, know, I'll know they're on a flat in, in five minutes after I pull up there. If, yeah, if, I don't, if I don't have them. to spend five hours at, in deep water, though. Right. But if you pull up on a flat, if you've seen fish there all week on this flat, and you pull up on tournament day and they're not there, mm-hmm. how long are you going to wait? Not very long. So now you're wasting time. Now you're running somewhere else. I'm, I'm running to another flat where I can see them. You're running. You, know, you could spend all day running, chasing your tail. Or you could sit somewhere in deep water chasing your tail. Well, I mean, this is definitely a spot that we disagree. Um, I just feel more comfortable, and and when I say deep water, I, I, I guess that's why I'm just trying to wonder wonder why that is. You suddenly really give me an answer as to why you prefer the deep water, though. Because I'm confident in deeper water. For what may, okay, what makes you confident confident in, in deeper water? Because I've caught more fish in deeper water than I have on a flat. But how have you caught them though? Live bait? I mean, bait fishing. I caught them both, live bait and artificials. Okay, I, I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I've been fishing for a long time. I, I didn't say you haven't. I'm just, right. I just I've never been with you before fishing deep water. Except they're into a tournament with artificial bait. Though. Well, let's let's define deep. Um, 
I would say five foot or or deeper. It's probably deep water. Okay. Right. So. I'll give you that. Yeah. Okay. So. Anyways. Effective research. So where are those spots at? You know, how do you know? How do you know you're in deep water? How do you know you're in a flat? I mean, not everybody knows. And I know when I say that, guys that fish all the time, like, well, of course you know if you're in deep water or not. But not everybody knows that. They may have a depth finder. They may have high-dollar electronics and may not know how to use it, may not know how to read it or understand it. Um, so do do your research. Um, yeah, yeah, because there's still certain times that, I, you know, you go out and you, you, you look at Google. Let's say Google Earth. I use that a lot. Yeah. And you can look at it, and you from looking at it, you doesn't know this, this certain area holds water. I mean, how many times have we been on your boat or my boat and going through a marsh or going through a backwater creek or whatever, <laughs> and next thing you know, our electronics – don't have it on the map right. and we're creating a track you know in the middle of nowhere yeah often often the all grass. the time yeah exactly right. and right. so that's part of your research you know right and a lot of it can, can be done at your home on your couch or in your office yeah, but, but the big part of it's got to be out there you know in my opinion looking researching uh and kind of putting your theory what you have on paper put into practical application you know yeah well i think your research obviously is going to be on the water and it's going to be at your computer or your app or your maps or whatever you got. I, I definitely agree with you on that. Hey, another thing, too, is don't ever be afraid. And I know this may not be popular with me saying this, but, you know, go on social media. I mean, a lot of guys will tell you what the bite is, where the bite is. Now we all know that fishermen tell the truth all the time, you know. Of course we do. And so we would never doubt their, what they're saying. No. But there's a lot of, there is a lot of information that's out there from, you know, very uh, – you know, people. You know, people that are trustworthy and respected that can give you an idea of you know what's biting, how deep. You know, what color? Not that color's a big thing, but some you never know. You know, certain shape or profile or size, even color sometimes. Sure. Uh, and so, you know, don't be afraid to use those, those resources. Also. Yeah, local knowledge is a big thing. Oh, yeah, you, can't, yeah. you can't beat local knowledge. Yeah. Okay. In my opinion. No, I agree. I agree. So uh, practice number four would be practice. Um, Practice makes perfect. Uh, in the professional world, there are two forms of practice, technique and pre-tournament fishing. Technique fishing is simply a time when an angler goes out to practice fishing techniques. So casting, uh, you know, not everybody can go out, take a seven-foot rod, and uh, cast underneath a dock or cast up into some structure or hit a pocket in a grass line. Not everybody can do that. Or better yet, Throw it four feet in front of fish that's coming down a bank. That's right. So you that's, know, right. That's, that's when you really, they, they really nut up then if you can yeah. actually, like, I've had a couple of trips this week where we were fishing in the skinny, and uh, you not only do you see the wake, you see the fish coming, yeah. and you're like, okay, you know, you need to lead him, throw it right here, and that will really right there test, test your moxie right there, if right. You, you know, and I had some good anglers on the boat right. that, I mean, hit him in the head, threw five feet over him, five foot behind him hit the front of the boat right. <laughs> on the cask got a call wrapped around his head yeah I mean, so techniques are a big thing to practice i I, yeah. I practice out in my backyard i got some pvc hoops i set out every so often and i'll cast into them uh it's different standing in my driveway throwing at a, at a hoop in my yard than it is when you got the wind blowing you know i've got a i've set up an ideal a hoop what are you talking about just a pv quarter inch pvc plastic hoop that i put together about the size maybe what's the hoop for it's about two foot in diameter, and I just set them out in the yard, and then I get them positioned in my... I think the biggest thing that I do... I cast at them. And we, I know we're probably fish geeks, but um, what I do when I get a new lure or I tie even a different weight of line or something, obviously, you know, I have a swimming pool. I'll go out in my swimming pool, and even if I get a new lure, I'll go out and tie it on, 
and I'll throw it because I want to know what it's going to look like under the water. Right. And to me, that's, you know, that's pretty important. That way, you know, if you're twitching it this hard or at this angle or even the fall, I mean, to me, is real important, you know? Yeah, that's one of the first things I do with a new, if it's a weighted hook or a certain jig head or a, a new plastic. I'll put it on, put it in my pool or somewhere where I can see it, mm-hmm. and I let it hit the water, and I count seconds. How long does it yeah. take to get to a certain depth? you got to know that. Now, it may not be an exact science. Yeah, I used to do that. I don't do that as much anymore as far as how far it takes to get down because I can do that when I'm out fishing because really, to me, it's kind of irrelevant when I'm in the pool because there's no current. Right. So I tend to do it when I'm out on the water fishing, but I do look at the, you know, how if it flutters, if it falls flat, if it nose dives, right. and then I look at it when I, if I give it a mild twitch or a, you know, a, a harder twitch, or if I, you know, I look at the paws and all, all that stuff. I, I really pay close attention to. Right. Yeah. I Even mean, I, my, I neighbor, my neighbors probably think I'm crazy, but <laughs> I do. The, I do the same thing. I'm sure yeah. a lot of people do the same exact right. thing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I do the same thing. So and I know we're probably not, not like cool like a lot of these guys out there. They probably probably know all that stuff already, but you know, no. I guess hey, no, they don't know. They it's know, all good. They know now. So uh, number five would be efficiency. Uh, the number one goal of any angler is efficiency. Right? You agree with that? I, I, I guess sure. I mean, you mean efficient or proficient? Efficient, and you said it earlier. And and what's wrote up here, just a little brief thing, says that uh, before each tournament, most of the top professional angler, anglers carefully prepare their gear. They retie knots, they pre-rig rigs, they do whatever. Well, to me, that, that's that's, and a, that's efficient. Pro- and that's, that's what you pro- said. Being proficient at what you do, yeah. Yeah. So that's um, we're good on that one. All mm-hmm. right. Changes would be number six. If you, how do you identify a change in conditions? Uh, so that you change your fishing style. How many times have you been on the river, on the river, and you're fishing with a light color and a light weight, and I mean, a, a, like a white or light colored lure and a light weight under these conditions? The conditions change; they turn overcast, they turn windy, whatever it may be. Do you then change your lure? Do you change your approach? Um, I think the, the biggest thing that I change personally is probably the weight, number one, because uh, I, I primarily use all the same pound of line, same pound of leader. Uh, so with me personally, it, it's just I may go up or down the weight of the jig head or, or the, you know, my my case, I use a weedless hook. Uh, so that's something that I change. I will change colors. Sometimes I'm not a, a big believer in colors. I know a lot right. of people are, but I'm just not. Well, our water here in our area is, is, is pretty dirty, so I've got light colors and dark. Nah, but I will change as far as the profile size goes. I mean, I right. know right now in our area the glass minnows, right? They're everywhere. At least I've been seeing them everywhere in our in our creeks and in the river and stuff. Well, in the creeks, you know. And so I will either go up or down. Uh, you know, if I'm fishing deeper water, I'll use a bigger profile size. You know, a three and a, you know four and a half inch you know tight plastic. If I'm in the shallows. So you do change, obviously. Right, right. So if you're on a flat, like we discussed a minute ago, one of our differences, if you're on a flat and there's less than three foot of water. I'm going to go down to an eighth of an ounce uh, weedless hook. That flat empties out. You have to move off the flat. But you know those fish left that flat to go into deeper water. Um, you're going to make a change in gear. Depending on how deep it is. I mean, if it's like deeper than five foot, then, yeah, I'll, right. I'll, I'll go, you know, something heavy, like a quarter ounce maybe, you know. If it's obviously 18 foot, then I may, I may go way up three eighths. Right, three sixteenths, you know, or something, but okay. uh, it all just depends on, uh, you know, 
the current, the conditions, even in the wind, you have to change with the wind. Even right, so yeah. So yeah, there are a lot of changes you have to make. Yes. Yeah, of course. I mean, and and I think as anglers, one of our best tools is our observation skills. You know, what are we paying attention to? Well, you have to. In you my have opinion. to. I mean, I think that's what that's what separates. I mean, I think we're pretty good fishermen, but there's some guys that are really, really good in my opinion that are like the titans of our sport. Even some of the, you know these circuits we fish. And man, there is. I mean, their thing is, you know, they they know when to change. That's the biggest thing is yeah. when to change and knowing when to change. And that, that's what makes you successful. And that uh, goes right back to confidence, which was the number yeah, one thing, absolutely. right? Do you have the confidence of changing this lure, this jig head, I mean, this we, color? We fish tournaments now. This is my second year, four year, full year fishing tournaments. You know, second full year. Right. And you know, amazing to me. Well, you know, we'll bring in twelve pounds of fish or whatever we did the other day, and you know, see some of these guys that have. 15 16 you know right. pounds of fish and you're just like wow you know that's that, that's impressive yeah for two fish and it's like man he's like what do you do and it's funny to hear from both sides some of them yeah. don't change at all and some of them change completely so right. it's just a you know it's just a whatever you're confident is it's the key right. like confidence is going to be the key yeah okay so the number seven tip would be take chances and it says here uh have have you ever wondered why leading anglers the guys that lead tournaments um, usually never win the tournament. So I'm, I was thinking about this one. You know, we go out first day. Our days are usually, our tournaments usually one day tournaments. So we go out and uh, within the first 30 minutes, we put a nice fish in the boat. Okay, let's say we put two score fish. We know it could be top five fish. Do we relax or do we try to upgrade? I always keep the pedal to the middle. Always upgrade. Yeah. That's how I'm, I mean, you can ask a couple of guys that I fish with uh, on multiple occasions. We've had uh, two upper slot fish in the boat within the first hour of the tournament and I've, i mean i put the pedal to the metal the whole day um yes. because you know with tournament fishing an ounce a tenth of an ounce as you know yeah. you can lose by right. and so every ounce tenth of an ounce that you can get it could be the difference in you cashing a fat check or just cashing a check right so okay and, so on the other side of that is um, you go out, you know, you know, you've got a spot, you've worked that spot, you have confidence in it, you've done your preparation, you've done, you've went through every one of these keys, and you know, you've got this spot locked down, you roll up on it, and you sit there. How long do you sit? Okay, you observe these changes that are happening, the fish aren't quite there yet. How long do you wait these fish out? Or do you cut and run? You know, that's a really good question. And I guess that all kind of depends on the day. Uh, you know, if, if I have three A spots, you know, that are in, in within 10 or 15 minutes of something. Within reason, yeah. Yeah, then obviously maybe I, you know, because, you know, as everybody knows, fish, they move. Right. And there's things that probably goes on that you or I and maybe a smarter fisherman would know, but maybe, you know, we don't know. Right. But the reality of it is it could be something to do with wind or weather or conditions that, you know, that we just aren't fish, so therefore we don't know what's going on, you know, down there. And... You know, the fish maybe come through after the first 45 minutes, let's say, of the high outgoing tide. Right. Well, you get there before the high outgoing. You fish it because, obviously, that's you know you want to get there ahead of them, right. obviously. And then it comes and it goes, and you haven't caught a good one or you've only caught a few. If you know those fish are there, though, you got to stick think, it I out. I think you stay for a little bit. Do I yeah. think you stay there all day? No. So the next tip is mental preparation, which is a good one. Because it's just what we're just talking about just now. So Target fishing, it's 100% of it, 90% of it is this mental, man. Yeah, we all get frustrated. Yeah, and I'm one, I'm one of them. If you fish me, you know. That right. I, I mean, just. But as a successful professional, 
Um, and I think even all these things apply to weekenders too. I mean, if you're a weekend guy and you only get out a few times a week, these all apply to you. So your mental preparation is key. You know, you have to maintain your focus. You have to over, overcome the frustration. Um, I'm listening to you. We're talking about changes, so I just thought, you know. Is that? Okay. Mm-hmm. So uh, mental preparation would be another good uh, another good um, right. key. All right, number nine, commitment. Did I throw you off with that right there? Yeah, a little bit. It's different. <laughs> that is funny. That is funny. So commitment would be the next. Uh, but I, want, I do want to touch on mental preparation, though. You hear it all the time. People always talk about how mental things are, with especially like you, you hear a lot of uh, professional athletes talk about mental capacity, mental toughness. You hear that, that phrase a lot. Right. And there's no doubt to me in fishing is the same way. And you can even watch the FLW Tour, Major League Fishing. I don't care what it is. The, uh, the Bill Fish Tour, right. uh, the Tarpon Tour. You know, it, it's a mental game. You know, because you're always going to have, like I said, I kind of go back to what I said earlier, something's always going to happen. And it does. And I don't care if it's, you know, something happened to your boat, you break something off, you lose a fish, uh, somebody cuts you off, you have an angler in your spot, yeah. or you have a local in your spot. Something's going to happen. And, and really what defines you, and I've had to myself, you know, learn that, hey, it's going to be okay. Yeah. You, make, you make the best of it. But you keep your nose down and you try to stay positive. And it's hard to do so a yeah. lot of times, and that's where that mental toughness comes in. Yeah, and we take a lesson from the guys that just won uh, the Florida Pro here on the East Coast uh, recently, and, and won it. And they're they're going to come on here still. I just uh, I know we've yeah. already said that before, but uh, they just yeah, I know everybody's a, busy right now. They have commitments, and I mean, yeah. so do we. And it's like their schedule didn't work out last week, and ours did, and now this week ours. Vice versa, but uh, yeah. one but of the, they are coming on here though. One of the examples they give us in mental preparation here is, uh, you know, if you lose a fish, you know, try not to get frustrated. He's still out there, still willing to eat. Go back at him. If your boat breaks down, don't give up. Just keep fishing, and that's what happened. These guys had some issues, Happy couldn't make it quite to where they wanted to be. End up winning the tournament on it. So without that mental prep, that you know, mental fortitude, maybe, yep, uh, they wouldn't have been where they were at. Sure. So. Yeah, mental preparation. You basically try to turn a good day, a, a bad thing, into a positive, and you try to, you know, they always it's cliche, but you got to make the best of, you know, the bad situation sometimes, and you know, sometimes it works out, sometimes it doesn't. But like, I, like we, we've always said, um, you know what, man, it just happens. You go on and you move on to the next one. Right. You, I agree. You thank the Lord that you know there's a hopefully that you'll make it to the next one. And that's what you do. Right. So, yeah, I agree. All right, number like nine is a commitment. No one can achieve any goal without personal commitment to make it happen. We spend a lot of time and a lot of money uh, fishing, um, you know, trying to do what we do so we can just fish like you just said, so you can just fish the next one. Um, I think it's maybe this is a cliche also, but somebody told me this a long time ago. <clears throat> you have to you have to commit to be committed. What you have to do, you know. And my thing is, you, I mean, you do. You have to work at it. You know, anybody, anybody that knows me knows that even when I'm not doing a charter, I'm still in the water fishing. Right. Because I'm committed to trying to be a better angler, a better captain, and, a, you know, better tournament fishing, just all-around better angler. Yeah. And, and you're not, not going to be able to do that sitting at the house. And Yeah, well, that's without fact, commitment, you know, you're wasting your time. Yeah, you might as well just Let's, just go out and have fun and take it for what it is. and Yeah, go out. And throw a few back. and Throw your anchor, sit on the bottom, yeah. enjoy the weekend. Exactly. Yeah. Okay, but I mean, you, you know, you know how it is. Like oh. we call that fishing far to pro. Yeah, that high that you we got from catching that fish. Oh yeah, that exhilar that exhilaration and that just 
stoked we had. Yeah. Man, you can't get that anywhere else to me. No. That's why I love doing what I don't want to do, you know. I do it on charters. I mean, I had a guy catch, you know, real good one a couple days ago. And I mean, I just, just that feeling of just knowing you're going to have one and it comes to the top of the water and did you see him and you're like, oh my gosh, you know. Right. That makes it all worthwhile. Just seeing them in the water. Yeah, it's, no, just seeing the fish. Yeah. Yeah. And, I mean, it's just, just well, it's we just, see things out there all the time that are just amazing to me. Uh, I know you are. I do. I love the outdoors. I love fishing. I love being on the very water. Passionate about it, man. And there's so many things out there. Just get out and go see it, right? So that leads us to our last point and our, our last uh, tip here, number 10, enjoyment. Yeah. The most productive workers are those that enjoy their jobs. So if you're a professional fisherman, that's your job. You're professional, right? You're getting paid to go fish. And uh, I was watching some professional fishing on television and uh, saw one of these professional anglers on there, and he was butting heads with a local guy about a fishing spot. Mm-hmm. And the local guy says why don't you get a real job? And uh, I'm only out here two days a week. Why don't you get a real job? And that way you can join the rest of the real people. The professional fisherman said, "Um, I'm not sure what a real job is. However, I support my family. I pay my bills. I got food in my belly from fishing. Uh, You're out here on the weekend getting upset with me because you're doing what I want to do. Or or I'm doing what you want to do. And uh, I agree with that. You know, if you can't enjoy it, it's, I know it's fun. When we're in tournaments, there's a lot of preparation. There's a lot of money. There's a lot of time. There's a lot of effort that goes into it, not to include your, your reputation. And there is a, a, some bravado in, involved in all this, and we'd be crazy if we didn't say the what. And, um, so you want to do good. You want to have a good show, and you want to make a, you know, stick your stake in the sand, in the stand, sand so to speak. So, Well, I, uh, I think, Ty, if you're passionate I know like I am. Uh, I know, you know, I catch some flack and you've caught some flack. And the reality of it to me is this. I mean, you've told me this and I'm hard on myself. Right. But I'm hard on myself because it, it drives me to be a, a better person, a better angler, a better captain, just all around, you know, father, husband, you name it. Yeah. And the reality of it is I don't, I don't like to settle. I, I, you know, I think, you know, doing what we do anyways, you kind of have to have an ego a little bit, I think. You know, and to yeah. a certain extent, and yeah. I mean, maybe that's good or bad, but I think that it drives you to be a good, a better, a, a better yeah. captain. You know, and be the yeah. best at what you do. Yeah. And so I think the reality of it is, we're all gonna, you know, there's a lot riding on something. Um, you know, and you're passionate about it. You know, you're gonna, you know, get upset about things, but that doesn't mean that you're a bad person. Right. That doesn't mean if you have you have a disagreement. That doesn't mean that you're right. mad or you don't like. You know, it's just, it's just a disagreement. You know. Right. Uh, and so. But, you know, at the end of the day, when I was all said and done, uh, I, mean, I love my job. I enjoy the hell out of it every single day. Right. I get up at 4 o'clock every morning whether I'm going fishing or not. Right. Uh, well, and, you and know, and the commitment and the enjoyment comes from, you know, the, the weekend guy, um, you know, he's not going to get up and go if it's cold. He's not going to get up and go if it's raining. He's some, not, some of them will. Some, some, of, them will. Them. some, some of them will. will. You know, you and I have fished in some treacherous conditions. Mm-hmm. We fished in sub-freezing conditions. We fished mm-hmm. in damn tropical conditions. Yeah. Um, and I enjoyed it the whole way. Me too. You know, yeah, you get a little cold and things get a little bitter and you get wet or when you get super hot. So and you're like, about the stuff. bugs are bad. Yeah, and you, and you go, damn, you know, for a minute this sucks. But as soon as you hook up. Yeah, you forget all about it's that, over. man. Yeah. yeah, it's enjoyment. So. Yes, I, I, I agree totally. And, and at the end of the day, you know, it's. It, it, it is our job. It is our job, right? Uh, like you said, it supports my family. I, I've been blessed to be able to do what I do, uh, 
And I don't envy the weekend guy. I hope he doesn't envy me because I used to be one of those guys. Right. And so I can, I can completely. Oh, I agree. Huh? You know, I yeah. haven't been one of those guys that, you know, like some of these pros you see on TV that got out of college and because their family owned this company or that company or uh, whatever the case was that they come right out of college and went straight into bass fishing or whatever. Right. And have never held a quote unquote real job. Right. Uh, no, I'm not one of those guys, you well, know. It pays, uh, it pays real money. It all pays real money. That's yeah. right, buddy. So you know, going out, going keeps out, keeps lights on for me. And I'm, and I know you. I hope you feel the same way. You know, going out in, in those adverse conditions, whether it's hot or cold or bugs or windy or raining or whatever it may be, in in the hopes that we've done enough work to catch fish. Sure. Um, all these adverse conditions, everything's against us when when we leave the dock. We have. Every, I mean, when you really think about it, fishermen have everything going against them. Um, when they leave the dock. So if you put these 10 keys into play, uh, you can start to turn the tide, for lack of a better word, a uh, better phrase. You can start to put the odds in your favor. I don't know if you have everything. You know, let me kind of elaborate what you're saying. I don't know if you have everything against us, so to speak, in my mind. I mean, because like, I guess I feel like maybe, I guess to kind of allude on what you're saying, I guess because I know I have done my homework and I have done a lot of those things that you're referring to, I guess I don't feel... Like with me, I hate the wind. Anybody that knows me knows I hate the wind. Right. I, you know, I, I can deal with the cold. I can deal with the rain. I can deal with the heat, but I can't control the wind. Right. And I, I just, there's been more wind here in the last year than I can ever remember. And it's something that I've personally got, I've got to get better to, uh, you know, better mentally about because, hey, almost every day it's, it's windy. windy crap. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, but do I feel like I have everything against me? No, I don't feel that way. Right. Uh, but I try to do my homework though, and I, I mean, like I said, I'm out there five, six days a week grinding to, uh, you know, to obviously put on a good show for my clients and uh, people to go on a charter with me, and uh, and, and then try to obviously have a, a, a decent finish, uh, you know, for our, our sponsors and uh, for us in our uh, you know fishing tournaments, you know. Right, right. Well, yep, that's all good stuff, and um, those are those ten keys. I think if anybody applies those ten keys to their uh, to their fishing and, and focus on, it can, can definitely help them. Not stuff. just say we're doing it, but do it yeah. right and really, um, really try it. Take one of them at a time and apply yeah. one of them at a time, and then next time apply two of them or try to you know lump two or three of them together, and then you know because several of them kind of overlap in my opinion. You know? Well, I think they all do. They, yeah, they, they all do, but they each have their own. Right. They don't care their own weight, but they also kind of all overlap, you know. Right. So that's all we got for uh, for this episode of this That's podcast. how we're going to end it. That's all we got, folks. Uh, but please, thank you for listening. You know, I'm kidding. No, that's how we're going to end it. How's that? Would you go on, Pep, is that all we got, folks? Got. Yeah. yeah. Whatever. But no, this has been the Backwater Hustle Fishing Podcast. We do want to thank everyone for listening, though. Thank you very uh, much. I don't know if we said it last week, but thank you uh, on our last episode. We had uh, Captain Jim Britton on and Carlos uh, Garcia from Flagler Beach. And thank you, Baines Barbecue, for having us down there. We appreciate that as well. Um, we'll be on the road here again soon. And we'll uh, post it on our social media where we're going to be at. And our, some of our next up-and-coming up episodes, we're going to have uh, Mr. Kellum, Mr. Riley on. Yeah, we got a couple tournament winners couple coming t- on. Yeah, uh, Some local stuff and local big, guys, big stuff. Uh, yeah, Craig Van Brocklin will be on and uh, Jeff Altman. And, well, you know, just we have a lot of guests coming up, so just stay tuned for that. And like I said, we'll announce it on our, our social, what do you mean? social media. We're actually going to have kayakers on? If you can believe it, yeah. Yeah, I can believe it. The K right. word again. Yeah. We just had to bring it up for you in the show, It keeps coming up. Yeah, it's and, good. And also we'll be having a uh, – we've got a lot of questions about our Elephant in the Room podcast. Part, uh, part two is coming, definitely. Um, well, by the time they hear this one, part two will already be out. Uh, yep. Will it? Yeah. 
by the time they hear this, part two will already be out. Hey guys, you've been listening to the Backwater Hustle Fishing Podcast. Check us out on the web at backwaterhustle.wordpress.com or check us out on Facebook at Backwater Hustle The Fishing Podcast. You can reach us at bckwaterhustle at gmo.com and hit us up on Instagram at, at bckwaterhustle. This has been the Backwater Hustle Fishing Podcast. Out. That's all he is, Captain Donnie.